0: Praise God. Uh, we're, uh, we're glad to, to be in the Lord's house together in His presence. And uh, we're just going to go forward. If you want to give tonight, then uh, uh, privilege and opportunity exists for you to do so. Praise God. You know you're giving under rights and keeps the local church going as well as other ministries that we uh, support and So, uh, thank you all for your faithfulness to do that. And uh, keeps the pastor fed as well. <laughs> Not that we're looking your direction. We're looking to God, and uh, He does however He wants to. But uh, we're thankful for it. Also, uh, just another announcement that crossed my mind. We are having a water baptismal service this Sunday. And uh, Jackson, Beth's youngest son... Uh, Beth and John, Jackson, and also Chaley. Uh, y'all know Chelsea's sister of Travis. Chelsea, she's getting water baptized. So uh, we're believing God for the Spirit of God to be uh, here and for their families that come to be ministered to and want the same thing that they're making uh, dedication to. And, uh, you know, people can be real hard heads and be really... Uh, Uh, kind of a pain in the neck and they can get Jesus and they can be totally different. You know, kind of like you did when the Lord got a hold of you. (laughs) And so, we all need the grace of God and that's the only difference between us and, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, a a problem is that God's worked in our life. So, uh, thank God for it. All right, ushers coming forward. Yes, thank you, Steve, for reminding us of uh, the uh, Daylight Savings Time change, uh, spring forward, fall back. So we gain an hour on uh, this following Sunday. So uh, roll your clocks back and, uh, and uh, be at prayer school if you just, you know, come early and forgot. <laughs> All right, Father, we do thank you for the privilege of giving We thank you, Lord God, that our seed is a blessed, uh, Father God, uh, seed that uh, comes forth good measure, pressed down, shaken together. We just thank you, Lord God, that you're not only our Savior, but our provider as well, and Savior from, uh, uh, Father, from uh, poverty or any lack, and that the grace of God has not only covered, uh, Father God, our our new birth, but it's covered, Father God, all of our needs being supplied. We thank you, Lord God, that uh, uh, this uh, Father God offering us is uh, in honor of you and that it's consecrated to you to be used in wisdom for your glory and honor and praise. We thank you that the needs of the church, needs of every family and individual is met, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody that agree, Amen. amen. Praise God glory to God. well, we're doing really good. I on time uh, I'd actually set my timer for 80:5 tonight so that uh, uh, we'd try to end up a little bit. Now of course the youth doesn't usually get out till about 8:30 uh, and of course that's their only time that they usually uh, that's their only service a week and so, Uh, It's just an hour and a half from 7 to 8.30. And so uh, if we get out a little early, then uh, uh, you can, you know, fellowship with others until then. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house. We thank you, Lord God, for your word and your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is given to us to prepare us, to outfit us, to equip us. And to make us uh, thoroughly furnished, not lacking nothing, sufficient in all things. And Lord, we open our hearts to the reception of uh, and to the instruction of the correction of your word. We pray tonight that we'd learn of you and know you personally more. And we would know the way that you think and operate and our minds would be renewed. We thank you, Father God, for helping us to walk worthy of your kingdom, of what you've called us to. And, uh, Father, we just thank you that the Word communicates light uh, and wisdom to us and strength to us tonight, healing to us, and that everyone, Father, has a a clear uh, understanding. May Jesus be glorified. May you be uh, honored, Lord, in the ministry of your Word. We thank you for utterance to speak. In Jesus' name, everybody that agreed, said Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'm going to address a subject that... Uh, well, a couple of subjects or a couple of things in regard to things, but I believe that it'll be a blessing to you. And if you'll pay attention, open your heart, believe with me for utterance. I believe that we uh, can uh, have some clarity and understanding on some things that will help us uh, to uh, be able to uh, receive and enjoy God's best. Uh, we've been talking about wisdom. Uh, you know, I'd like to get back to that, and I believe that there's much more in connection with that. We'll kind of take a side journey tonight. Earlier today, I had gotten it on my heart, and I was actually looking at uh, uh, some scriptures in the Old Testament uh, about waiting on the Lord. And so, uh, for example, let's just look at a couple real quick. So, Turn to Psalms 27. And notice something that the Lord said here. Psalms 27, last verse. Other translations will say hope or expect. uh, And things in regard to that. The margin of my Bible, where it says in verse 14, it says wait. The margin of my Bible says wait in faith on the Lord. Be Of good courage. Uh, We would say be encouraged. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait I say on the Lord. Can you say amen. To the reading of God's word. And then uh, for example. Turn just a few pages over to Psalms 37. And you'll find scriptures like this. Especially in the Psalms. But in other places throughout the word of God. Psalms 37 verse 9. He again admonished us uh, about waiting on the Lord. Verse 9, he said, For evildoers shall be cut off, Uh, but those that wait upon the Lord, they'll do what? They will inherit the earth. Amen. God promised Abraham that uh, his seed would inherit the earth. Uh, same chapter in verse uh, 34, we'll find the word wait again. Uh, verse 34 of Psalms 37 says, Wait on the Lord and keep His way, and He shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Uh, Psalms 130 well, I'll tell you what, we'll skip Psalms 130 and maybe come back to it later. Go to Isaiah 40, which is a familiar scripture. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that do what? Wait upon the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. That's a good benefit of waiting on the Lord. Can you say man? Uh, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's go ahead and read Psalms 130. Just so you can get a kind of a understanding or a memory uh Remembering of about weight, let's just read the whole psalm. Psalms one thirty. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, uh, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. Aren't you glad? Verse 5 I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, or wait on the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. Aren't you glad? And he shall redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. So uh, you can see uh, scriptures from the Hebrew Old Testament here that, uh, that we're admonished to wait on the Lord. Uh, the Hebrew definition of the word wait means to uh, look for or to anticipate with eager expectation. To wait for to look for or to anticipate with eager expectation. Strong says it means to look for or to hope. So when he said, wait on the Lord, it means to look for the Lord uh, with eager expectation or to hope or to anticipate uh, the Lord. So uh, anyway, I wanted to... uh, Talk some about waiting on the Lord, and I got into some other subjects that got clear to me, and I want to share a little bit on those. So, uh, uh, at the outset of talking about waiting on the Lord, uh, one thing I think it's important to, to mention, what waiting is not. When it says wait on the Lord, it's necessary to talk about what waiting is not, because the meaning of the word wait in our Uh, current usage and the way we use it today is different from the way the Bible uses the word wait. Uh, If we mean by wait uh, in the sense of a passive waiting, that I'm just going to wait, you know, to see if something is going to happen, that's not what he's talking about here. Uh, The thing that came to my mind that... uh, uh, in regard to waiting on uh, the Lord was uh, the old song uh, that uh, uh, called Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. <laughs> <laughs> How many's ever heard Sitting on the Dock of the Bay? <laughs> the lyrics go something like, uh, Sitting in the morning sun, I'll be sitting, waiting, when the evening comes. Watching the ships roll in, I'll watch them roll out again. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. <laughs> and so if we're waiting passively to see if something is going to happen, then we are just wasting time. The next verse of the song says, I left my home in Georgia, headed for the Frisco Bay, because I got nothing to live for. And the next line says, and looks like nothing's going to come my way well that's not a faith song I don't, I don't have anything to live for and nothing likes love and nothing's going to come my way right? well I believe something good is going to come your way and it's going to come my way can you say amen? Uh, so I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay watching the tide roll away I'm just wasting time sitting here resting my bones this loneliness won't leave me alone it's 2,000 it's 2, miles I roam just to make this dock my home. Now I'm going to sit on the dock of the bay watching the tide roll away, sitting on the dock of the bay, again, wasting time. So when we're talking about waiting on the Lord, we're not talking about an inactivity of passivity where we're just like waiting. I'm just going to wait to see if something happens. That's not what waiting on the Lord means. Waiting on the Lord the way it's used in the Bible, uh, means to, uh, amongst other things, to expect. It means to anticipate. It means to look for. It means to hope in. Say hope in. So, if one of the definitions of wait on the Lord is to hope in the Lord... Then we need to first of all clarify that wait is not passive, but it is uh, proactive or actively looking for, expecting the blessing. Also, I wanted to get into the usage of the word hope because wait is defined biblically as having hope. I mean, notice the Bible uses the word hope a lot. And uh, this is really important because I think if you, if you and I will listen tonight uh, to some of the things that are said and look at some of the verses we're going to look at, I think you can have a clear, definitive understanding of the difference between hope and faith. And that's a little bit confusing to a lot of people. How is hope different from faith and how is faith different from hope and is there any difference between the two at all? I uh, happened to look on the internet and just typed in uh, the difference between hope and faith and uh, it brought up some YouTube video segments and I watched about seven or eight of them and every one of them the people were just super confused about the difference and never did till I got to one older Word of Faith minister that actually preached a sermon and watched part of his sermon on it uh, actually didn't see that anybody had any clarity and it was a confusing subject that people just didn't understand. And so uh, we need to know the difference between hope and faith and uh, and understand how they work together. And so uh, first of all, uh, we, to get it all clear about hope and faith, we need to understand that the way that the Bible uses hope is different again uh, from the current and, and, and common way that hope is used when people talk about hope. Uh, a lot of times, uh, when people use hope, uh, they use it in the context of like, I'm just hoping and praying. Right? Or they will say, well, I hope so. Right? And when, they, when hope is used uh, in that sense... Uh, what hope really means is, I wish that that would be true. I want that to be true, or I desire that to be true. I hope that it happens. I I, I wish, uh, it's, it's something that I wish for, right? And so, uh, you know, probably one of the best words to use in connection with what hope means a lot of times when people use it. Is just wish, so on the lips of most people, hope signifies little more than a bare wish, and often with considerable fear that it will not be realized, being nothing better than a timid and a hesitant desire that something may be obtained. A timid and hesitant desire or wish that something might happen or might be attained. That is not how hope is used in the New Testament. Right? When the Bible talks about, uh, let's just look at a couple of verses and you'll see how hope and uh, faith is connected. Uh, Can you think of any verses where hope and faith is used together? First, go to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. This is the the ending of the passage on... uh, uh, The expose of divine love. And uh, Paul, of course, the love chapter is not really a chapter. It's part of a letter. And the love, uh, you know, expose is in the middle of uh, chapter. It's chapter 13. But it's in the middle sandwiched between chapter 12 and chapter 14. And chapter 12 is about the body of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit and the ministry gifts. And then he talks about love and then chapter 14, which it's all one letter. He talks about the, the rules and the principles that govern the operation, especially of the utterance gifts and tongues in the body of Christ in the assembly in private life and in the assembly. And so uh, really, uh, you know, the first Corinthians 13 is part of that larger uh, letter that he's writing in connection with how the gifts of the spirit operate, does that make sense? Are you following with me with the thinking that we're talking about and so like uh I think you know one person said he said you know before they uh accepted uh you know being filled with the spirit and received uh the gift of the spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues he said uh Uh, we would uh, preach on 1 Corinthians chapter 11 on the Lord's Supper and have communion. And then he said we'd skip over chapter 12 and then we'd preach on chapter 13 uh, on walking in love and then we'd skip over chapter 14 and then we'd preach, go to chapter 15 and preach on the resurrection. (laughs) And so they preached on 1 Corinthians 11, 13, and 15, the odd numbers, but they didn't preach on 12 and 14, the even numbers. But praise God, we'll just preach on all of it, okay? Because it's all good, and it's all right, and it's all of God. But uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, you know, a lot of times people have trouble with uh, interpreting rightly. Uh, He says in 8, Uh, the 8th verse he said love never fails whether there be prophecies they shall fail Uh, prophecies are all going to be fulfilled at some point in the future are you still here Uh, and there won't be any more prophecies whether there be tongues which is you know utterances of of, you know of God they will cease Uh, where there be knowledge it will vanish away uh, he said, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. So he's saying these things, you know, even the word of knowledge is 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 just a fragment of knowledge. It's a word or a part of knowledge. Uh, you know, it's not complete, right? And uh, he said, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect or complete is come then that which is in part shall be, future tense, be done away with. A lot of times people say, well, now we have, I've heard people say, now we have the Word of God. We don't need these things in operation. Well, he said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. He's talking about one definitive time of his life. He said, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. People say, well, then these things are childless and they should be put away. That's not what he's talking about at all. As For as the next verse, what he applies this to is that we, uh, like, uh, like a child, has incomplete knowledge uh, at his time and don't understand like an adult would and that childhood thinking changes as a person or is supposed to change as a person matures. He said, verse 12, now, say now, He said, We see through a glass darkly. People say, Yeah, but you know, well, if Paul saw through a glass darkly, then I'll guarantee you uh, that if Paul wrote half the New Testament and had multiple revelations from the Lord and didn't see everything clearly, then there's a lot that we don't see clearly. Can you say, man? He said, But then, he said, Now, but then, he said, We'll see face to face. Amen. He said, uh, now we see uh, through a glass, that's actually a mirror, and the mirrors at that time were just polished metal. I mean, he's ever used a mirror that was polished metal, just aluminum, and was not glass. You don't see the image super clearly, right? So he's saying right now we see through a glass darkly. Uh, other translations say, as a riddle or enigmatically, we see partially, right? Thank God for what we do see, but he said, then we're going to see face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I'm known. He said, I'm going to know like God knows, like uh, I'm going to be able to see like he sees, and I'm going to know like he knows. Well, we're not there yet. So these things haven't passed away yet. So he said, now abides, these are things that are never going to pass away, faith, hope, and love, right? These three, the greatest of these is love. So love is the greatest, but also we need to realize that just by listing these three things together that all of them is very important and that faith and hope also are extremely important. But the thing that I wanted to bring out here is he differentiates or makes a difference between faith and hope. They are seen intimately working together, but they're also separate. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. This is the story of Abraham believing God for Isaac. And how his faith was credited for righteous, righteousness. Are y'all with me? So uh, he said here about Abraham, he said uh, in Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, 16, he said, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. So faith and grace, we've been talking about that on Sunday morning. They're connected Uh, You cannot have the exercise of faith without pre-existing grace. Uh, Faith can only lay hold on what is given. Uh, Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor and gifts of God, and it includes everything that was accomplished and is available to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Bible says, of His fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. Uh, You know, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. That would be the same thing as saying that uh, we've been given all grace in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Philippians says all of our needs are supplied according to His riches and glory. That would be the same thing as saying all of our needs are supplied according to His grace. So we're defining that grace is everything that's been given and that's received by faith. He said, to the end that the promise, so this is promise, there's a promise that's believed, and of course, a uh, persuasion of the promise that, you know, causes uh, God to perform it. He says, to the end, the promise might be sure to the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written... I have made you a father of many nations. So this is what God said to Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations. Before whom he believed. So he had faith and believed what God had said. Even God who quickens or makes alive the dead. And he said that because Sarah's womb was dead and Abraham was dead. uh, In the sense of being able to bear children. God who makes alive the dead. I like that phrase. Uh, He can make a dead liver alive. Uh, He can make a dead, uh, uh, you know, uh, when you have diabetes, what is it? Insulin. But what is it that produces insulin? Your pancreas. He can make a, a pancreas alive. If he can resurrect a dead body like the Lord Jesus Christ on the third day, then he can resurrect brain cells. Can you say, man? You know, a lot of this has to do with our thinking. Uh, you know, I remember one time that you know the we were—I'd never forget this situation. We were in Healing School at Rhema, and I was just a student and just started helping in Healing School, and I was praying with some of the workers about a particular uh, case that was there, and they were praying about this person that had a brain tumor. And uh, I mean, you think in your mind, what could be worse than having uh, cancer in your brain? Uh, And so they were praying because there wasn't a lot of progress happening. And the Lord spoke to one of the leaders there and said, cancer on the mind is worse than cancer on the brain. How many knows that cancer on the brain can be healed? But if you have cancer on the mind, in other words, you have thinking that limits God from being able because you don't believe in miracles or you don't believe God is able to heal, uh, that's worse and more prohibitive or limiting than any disease is. Right? So uh, God, you know, is a miracle worker. And He quickens, makes alive the dead. If you don't think that God can quicken something that is dead, then, you know, then then it's probably not likely that God would do that. But thank God, I believe, and I believe that you believe too, that God is able to quicken the dead. Amen? Uh, if He can make human beings, He can quicken Human beings. Can you say amen? So it says that God who quickens the dead, and in one symbolic sense, Abraham did experience that, right? Uh, Who quickens the dead, and not only does God quicken the dead, he calls things that be not as though they were. That's the way the earth and the heavens got here. He called things that were not into existence, right? Uh, he called Abraham the father of many nations when he was yet not the father of many nations. He called Abraham, uh, you know, uh, who was not as though he were the father of many nations. Abraham went ahead and accepted God's name change and identity. Uh, you know, you might go ahead, you might have financial uh, challenges, but uh, the Bible says Christ was made poor that you might be made rich. You've got to go ahead and call yourself the rich. <laughs> Are you still here? And call those things that be not as though they were. You might need to go ahead and call your body healed and whole, right? Because it doesn't be healed yet, Right? Uh, You call your body, uh, you know, healing is a be-not, so you call uh, healing uh, into existence, call those things that be not healing as though it was. I am healed by Christ's stripes. Can you say amen? You know, sometimes people have trouble with calling things that be not as though they were. Uh, if God does it, and He told us in Ephesians that we ought to imitate Him as dear children, it'd be, it'd be wrong for us to do it. If it was wrong for us to do it, it'd be wrong for God to do it. <laughs> are you still here? Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. All my needs are supplied according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have wisdom in this situation. Even when you feel confused... You've asked God for wisdom, you believe He gave it, so you call yourself the wise. That's faith. That's calling yourself, you may feel as confused as could be, right? But you say, I am the wise, I have the wisdom of God. You might feel like it, you're unled and unguided, but you call yourself, because you're agreeing with God. I am His sheep, I hear His voice. I'm hearing his voice, a voice of a stranger I'll not follow. Can you say amen? You call those things that be not as though they were. That's what God does. Uh, you know, people that oftentimes will say, you know, that faith, name it and claim it bunch, you know. Uh, but, you know, if they went out on the porch, say they had a dog and they had a cat. And they wanted to feed the dog. They lived in the country. The dog wasn't in the fence. He was allowed to roam free. They want the dog to come and eat his food. Well, you know, people say, well, I don't believe in calling things that be not as though they were. Well, you know, why do you say, here, Rover, here, here, Rover, here? If the cat's sleeping in a rocking chair on the front porch and you only believe in calling things as they are, you wouldn't be saying, here, Rover. You'd, you'd, you'd be saying, Kitty is here. Kitty is here. Kitty is here. Well, you don't want Kitty. Kitty's already there. Amen? You want, you know, Spot to come. You, so you say, Spot. Come here. Here, Spot. Come here. You're calling spot because you won't spot there. Well, it's the same way with your faith. When you're calling healing, uh, you're not saying, I have pain, I have pain, I have pain. That's already, uh, you know, evident. You're calling healing. You're calling those things that be not as though they were. And praise God, uh, you know, the Bible says, whatever we believe in our heart and say with our mouth, uh, if we believe it, uh, the Bible says, Uh, we'll have what we say. So he said, mountain be removed and cast into the sea. He's calling the mountain cast into the sea. Can you say amen? And uh, our words, everything was created by words and our words can alter and affect things. Amen? Uh, That's not our subject totally. But uh, he said, I have made you a father of many nations before him, or likened to him whom he believed, God who makes alive the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Look at verse 18. Who against hope. So here's the word hope. Who against hope. Now I'm going to take a minute and look at the margin of my Bible because I didn't see this uh, earlier. The portion of my Bible says, contrary, who against hope, or contrary to hope, believed, what's the rest of it say? In hope. So we know Abraham was in hope. Right? Not only was he in faith, he was in hope, right? Because he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. So you see both faith and hope mentioned there. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So that's where both the faith and the hope came from. God and the promise God had made. Uh, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old. Now, other translations bear out that although he knew it or saw it or was aware of it, he didn't take it into consideration as affecting the situation. He considered not, in other words, he had a covenant and he had a contradiction and he chose to stay with the covenant and the word of God instead of what the contradiction said. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't take those things as affecting, you know, whether God's word was true or not. He staggered not or wavered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong, uh, or the Bible says the margin says strengthened, in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is the way the performance happened. It started with a promise, and the promise brought a persuasion to Abraham, and that persuasion is what opened the door for God to perform it. But I wanted you to see that both faith and hope was used in this classic story of Abraham's faith. Then go to Hebrews chapter 1. We're talking about faith and hope. Hebrews chapter 1. Probably all of us could quote this verse for memory. Now faith... Is what? The substance of things hoped for. Where did I tell you to go? Hebrews eleven one? Excuse me. Hebrews eleven one. Hebrews eleven one. Y'all there? Now faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. Uh, My margin says now faith is the realization of things hoped for. Other translations say faith is the grounds or the foundation, the underlying support for things hoped for. So here's three verses where we've looked at three texts where you see faith and hope together mentioned in intimate connection with one another, right? So back to what we're talking about, Hope in Bible usage does not mean to wish or to desire or uh, a timid uh what did we say? a timid and hesitant desire that something may be attained and it's just no more than a bare wish. I'm hoping that will happen or I'm hoping and praying. I hope so. Well, that's not how the Bible uses hope. So to understand the Word of God, you have to understand what hope means biblically and it's very different. Now let me just say this and and don't get confused over this. But if we were using hope in the modern usage of it just meaning a wish or meaning a desire, hope does precede faith. Does that make sense? But if we're using it in the biblical definition sense, which we really want to emphasize and get our mind renewed to, hope does not precede faith. Faith precedes or goes before hope. Because if you're just using hope in the sense that it's something I want or I'm wishing for or I desire, then it can precede uh, faith in that sense because what does Mark eleven twenty four 24 say? Whatsoever things you desire or you want or you wish or you hope for, right? But when you pray, believe you receive. So in that sense, hope or wishing or wanting or desiring would precede uh, faith. Right? But again, that's not how the Bible uses uh, the word hope. So, uh, here is the Bible definition of both faith and hope. in very simple terms, faith means to be firmly and fully persuaded. Firm persuasion. Or if you wanted to just get it down to one word, persuasion. Faith is persuasion. When you hear something, you either believe and are persuaded of it or you're not. You know, there's been a lot of stuff about false news, right? (laughs) If you listen to media, you know there's a lot of stuff. There's stuff that I hear that I'm not persuaded of. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) Right? And so you have to follow your heart on things. Uh, But at the same time, hearing presents you with an opportunity to either be persuaded and say, yeah, I believe that, or I don't believe a word of it, right? So when God's word comes to us, faith comes by hearing, or a persuasion comes by hearing whose report will you believe? The report precedes the believing and without the report or the word there can't be something you're persuaded of. And so the way God brings faith to us is through His word and we hear His word. Right? Where the whole context is is where, uh, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The rest of that context is the earlier part of the chapter was, uh, you know, the context is with the heart man believeth. With a mouth confession is made unto righteousness. And it talks about the good news of the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe that Jesus was God's son. I believe that he became flesh and dwelt among men. I believe that he died and that he was resurrected and raised from the dead on the third day after he had paid the penalties for our sins. I'm persuaded of that. Right? And so faith is a firm persuasion. So it means to believe, to trust, to be assured of or have confidence. Hope means, this is the Bible use of hope, hope means to be confidently expecting and eagerly anticipating. Say confidently expecting. So... Faith means you're firmly persuaded, but hope means you're confidently expecting. So when the Bible uses hope again, it's not using hope to mean wish or desire. It's using hope as a confident uh, expectation. So when the Bible says, like in Hebrews 1, it says, now faith is the grounds or the foundation of things hoped for. It's saying, what you're firmly persuaded of is the foundation or the grounds of what you're confidently going to expect. So your persuasion, what you believe, creates an expectation. So faith creates hope. So before you have hope or expectation, you've got faith, which is persuasion. Is that clear? I think that's pretty clear. Right? And so anytime you have faith in place, it's going to produce or, or a byproduct is going to be expectation or it's going to be a confident anticipation of what you are believing. You're firmly persuaded of something, so you're confidently expecting something. Uh, go with me over to, to uh, let's see, Romans it'd be chapter 15 we'll see another illustration of how faith and hope works together so back to talking about waiting on the lord waiting on the lord means to hope in the lord and it means to expect it's not waiting to see if it's waiting to see when are you still here <sighs> praise god uh, now abides faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, but thank God for faith and hope. Uh, Romans chapter fifteen. Here Paul is praying for the uh, uh, the church at Rome, and it's mixed. It's a mix of of Jews and Gentiles, and uh, he's bringing this out because he don't want there to be any class difference between. Uh, the Jew uh and the Gentile, but now they're all part they're all part of one body. And uh and so he says this, he says uh to the church there, he says, uh talking about prophecy that had went before. Uh, verse seven, he said, Wherefore receive ye one another, whether you're a Jew or a gentile, because uh you know, one had come from a background of the law and the other hadn't, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus was a minister of the circumcision, that is, a Jew for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the Father, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee, um, he's quoting the Old Testament, I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And he's glad the Gentiles got included. Verse 10, and again, he said, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. So here's Jew and Gentile together rejoicing. Uh, he's, he's giving prophecy, uh, Old Testament scriptures. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Uh, Again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, talking about Jesus, uh, as the son of David. And he that shall, shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Most translations say, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Right? And then he takes off on that. In him shall the Gentiles hope. And verse 13 says, Now the God of hope. God is called the God of hope, or the God that gives us confident expectation. So hope comes from God, and hope is a good thing. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick, you know, because it's not realized what's desired or expected. But now the God of hope do what? Fill you with what? All joy and peace in believing. Right? That you may do what? Abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Or through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is the God of hope. Now, if he wanted them all to be filled with joy and peace and believing, uh, shouldn't we also believe for the same thing? We should be filled with all joy and peace and believing. So when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or you believe that you've received something, two things that accompany uh, those things, or three things that accompany it actually, is joy and peace if you're persuaded of something, it's going to give you joy. Right? For example, if you like, do like Mark eleven twenty four, 24, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. If you believe that you receive them and they're yours, right? Then it's going to give you joy and expectation. Right? That you realize them. And it's going to give you peace and an absence of anxiety In, rec- in also in, in not because you believe that a thing is done, you're not going to be anxious about it in believing. That you may do what? Also, when you believe something, it's going to give you a confident expectation of what you're persuaded of. So it's going to give you joy, it's going to give you peace, and you are going to have Hope when you have faith that precedes it. Can you say amen? So faith and hope work intimately together and being persuaded of a thing is going to cause you to expect it. So faith is the grounds of things expected. Uh, If you're using hope in a common current language, in desire or want, Uh, That's not the Bible use of it. And uh, uh, when you do uh, get in faith, uh, it's going to uh, bring about hope or confident expectation. Uh, Just a couple more comments. Hope has to do with the future and has to do with promised good or blessings. So, hope has to do, it's confidently looking forward so it always deals with the future. Faith has a wider range than just the future. Faith will take in all the past, present, and future words spoken of the Lord and and is persuaded of it. How many knows, the Bible says, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. I believe that. That's faith. I don't have any hope in particular from that verse. It's a fact that I believe that happened in the past. So faith is a wider range than hope. Hope is future and uh, hope is looking for promise fulfilled in the goodness of God. Right? Uh. Hope in this Bible usage is confident expectation. Uh, so hope has to do with the future. Faith has a wider range, past, present, and future. Uh, some words of God do not give me hope, although usually adjacent accompanying promises do. Let me illustrate this quickly to you. This is First Peter, Second uh, Peter three. First, 2 Peter 3 says, By, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. How many believe that? In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. How many believe that? And the elements will melt with a fervent heat. How many believe that? Both the earth, but the, Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. How many believe that? I believe that, but does that give me any hope? What am I hoping for? Well, it don't tell me anything or promise me anything there that I'm to have hope. It just tells me the earth is going to burn. If that was the only verse in the Bible and it said the earth is going to burn up, I could believe it, but it doesn't necessarily give me hope. But if you read the rest of the context, it goes with it. It says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness? Right? Right? looking for and hasting the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The next verse says, Nevertheless, we according to His promise. Say, we according to His promise. But according to the promise, we look for so we're looking for something. That means we're anticipating or waiting for it or hoping for it or confidently expecting. What are we confidently expecting? A new heaven and a new earth. Now that gives me hope. I believe that the old one's going to get burned up, but it gives me hope. And I'm confidently expecting the new one wherein in dwells righteousness. Amen? So I've got blessed hope of the glorious coming... Of the future heavens and earth and sharing God's glory with Him. I wish that we had time to go a little bit further uh, into this because I wanted to really get into some uh, things that was a real, uh, it was exciting to me. Uh, I'm going to finish with this last paragraph. Scriptural hope signifies a firm expectation and a confident anticipation of the things God has promised. As joy and peace increase in believing, so does hope. Faith is more comprehensive than hope because it believes all God has said, past, present, and future, the threatenings and curses to the disobedient as well as the future good and blessing to the obedient. I mean, even when God said, you know, in the Old Testament, if you don't hearken diligently to my, to my words, you're going to be cursed uh, you know, in the city and cursed in the field, I believe that whether it gives me hope or not. Right? Now the other part, you'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out if you're obedient, gives me hope. Right? So we believe the threatens and the cursing to the disobedient as well as the future good and blessing to the obedient. Hope looks solely to future good. Faith has to do with the Word and whom the person promising. So faith has to do with God who makes the promise, hope has to do with the thing promised. So our faith is in God, but our hope is in what he said would happen. Faith is believing that God will do as he said, hope is confident and expectation, confident expectation look forward to the fulfillment of the promise. Again, both are intimately connected and work together for the fulfillment of God's promises. God and His Word are still the foundation and source of hope, but that comes to us through the avenue and the conduit of faith. It is impossible for hope to exist without preceding faith, and it's impossible that faith uh, does not create the byproduct of joy, peace, and faith. So, we like hope can you say, man, and we like faith, but uh, we need to understand how faith and hope works. Uh, faith produces confident expectation, and I wanted to talk about uh, how that comes about because uh, there's some real uh, you know things uh, you know in our life when that hope is uh, anticipatory, that hope is is that confident expectation of what's coming there. God is a God of hope, and He can and will fill us with all hope in believing. Amen? How many uh, will enjoy the, you know, the Bible calls the second return of Christ, that blessed hope. Confident expectation. And confident expectation, it almost pulls you into and motivates you into what lies ahead so we need to have great hope Uh, you know the Bible said the Gentiles before Christ coming were without hope in this world now we have great hope in Christ and we are people to be filled the God of hope is to fill us with all joy and peace and believing and we are to abound in hope so let's not knock hope hope is future tense faith is present tense and receives uh, but hope is generated by faith and we can be rejoicing uh, expectantly and anticipating the fulfillment of the blessings of God. Can you say amen? Can you understand the difference between faith and hope now? Praise God. So uh, faith is what receives or lays hold on the blessings of God. Back to wish, wish and desire, whatsoever things you desire. Desire can identify what's needed, but it don't have the power to appropriate it or take it. Faith takes what desire identifies. But then once faith takes it, it creates and and brings into and generates hope, which is a confident expectation of it. So first there's desire, then there is faith, and then faith brings about hope, and hope uh, is a confident expectation until the manifestation or the realization of it comes, the having of it. Comes, Amen. And so, nothing, uh, you know, will keep us from being hopeless if we stay hooked up with the God of hope and stay focused on the Word of God, which is the the Word that gives us hope. Amen. Stand up with us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Set with me. I am abounding in hope. I'm filled with all joy and peace in believing and I abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So God is a God of hope. So what needs to happen if you're hopeless? You need to get around a God of hope. <laughs> Amen. And it'll lift you up so that you have confident expectation that good is going to happen. And uh, that'll make you a happy Christian and a good witness. Amen. Father, we do thank you for filling us, you the God of hope, with all joy and peace in believing so that we abound in hope. And Father, we thank you that your promises and your faithfulness in which we've been firmly persuaded of uh, engender in us a strong, confident expectation of future good. And uh, we thank you, Father God, for all the blessings that are coming our way as we believe, as we have joy, that we have peace, and that we have hope. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, hopefully this uh, helped you to clarify the difference between faith and hope. God bless you. You're dismissed. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www.faithbuilderschurch.net.